That was good. Reminds me of the seminary days. Some of the professors, before they'd start a class, would have the men sing some song, and I love to hear the blending of the male voices. Sounded good. Especially that song that we sang, Lord, in the morning. That was Dr. Maxwell's favorite that he would lead. You'd hear that through the halls as well, too. Going to help you out, Vera. You know, he asked a question, who would like to give a million dollars, and you raised your hand? He raised his hand, too. So, Frank, I expect an extra million in that offering plate. And I hope it was for church expense. Those who are veterans, would you please stand up? Look at our veterans. We've got a little gift for you. Remain standing. Just something a little special to be able to say thank you for your commitment to God and to your country. The Lord has blessed us. Don't forget David over there. He's not standing, but uh, don't throw it at him either. It's because of the commitment that is made by these men and women. The Lord has blessed us with freedom in this country. I wish to say that we could say that it's going to last forever, but as we know, freedom is eroding very quickly in our country. And there are many things that are happening in this world that reveals to us that Jesus is coming soon. If you want an eye-opener, this afternoon, take out your blow the dust off of your copy of Great Controversy and read chapter 35. I did that real early this morning. I couldn't sleep and I got up and I opened up my copy and I'm sitting there and I'm reading that and I said, you know, I just heard that on the news just the other day. Whoops, I heard that on the news the other day. Whoops, this is happening right now. So read chapter 35 of Great Controversy this afternoon and see if you come up with the same conclusions I have. And uh, there's some other things that are happening the next week. Um, hopefully I'm going to get some more details and be able to share with you because uh, Jesus is coming. And uh, we're seeing miracles that are taking place of stepdaughters to uh, other children who have uh, strayed away from church that all of a sudden are coming back. I wondered if he was going to remember me. <laughs> Four years in the Navy, I should get something out of it. Yeah, we hit every, We got everyone? Hit everyone. Don't want to hit you. Make sure any veterans up in the balcony? You're not a veteran. Oh, there's Martin. Martin's up in the balcony. 
any military personnel, whether you're an officer or whether you were enlisted, will recognize that in the military service, the chain of command is extremely important. To be able to organize and to do something all over the world, there must be a command, a chain of command that is established, and it must be followed to the T, because if it isn't, it's, it's chaos. And if you try to circumvent the, the chain of command, to try to do your own thing by self-appointing another leader, well, I don't know what they call it in the other services, but in the Navy, that was mutiny. And once in a while, that takes place. And if you look in the world today and, and the news and everything that's going on, you've got officers that are complaining about what the president's doing and what the others are doing and others are uplifting. And it's confusing there as well, too, what you're hearing on the news that chain of command is very necessary, and God realized that, especially when he was leading all of these people out of Egypt, and he was taking them to their promised land, the land that many years earlier to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had promised that he would take his people and they would come back. And so he was leading them, and they needed that chain of command in order to move such a large group of people um, to get them to where they were going. God was to be their commander-in-chief, just like the President of the United States is our commander-in-chief today. He would lead them through this wilderness and take them to the promised land. Moses was to be the one well, I guess we could call him one of the joint chiefs of staff. Um, he was the next in command that would would go directly to the commander-in-chief, to God, and uh, hear the instructions and made sure that it was carried out and it was passed on to Aaron and to Joshua and to each uh, leader that was in each tribe and then it was to be carried out to be able to go and to do what God wanted them to do. A lot of times, just so it would be less confusing, you need to establish a name for your outfit. Something like the Screaming Eagles, or whatever the name might be. Well, the Commander-in-Chief, of this huge, vast throng, wanted to give them a title. Let's look at it for a moment. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 2. What would they be known for? And he says in verse 2, he's talking to the people, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for, him, for himself, a special treasure. I think the King James says a peculiar people is a title, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You're to be different than the rest of the people, a peculiar people, not odd, but a special chosen 
people. If you look it up in the dictionary, did you know that Webster was a theologian? You look it up in Webster's dictionary and it's, it means to be specially chosen for something. And this group was specially chosen by God. They would be known as God's chosen people. They were a select special forces that would go from Egypt and head to and conquer the promised land. This special forces group ran into a lot of problems along the way. But as long as that chain of command was established, things ran smoothly. But once in a while, it wouldn't run very smoothly. And this happened. Moses, one of the joint chiefs of staff, was called to a top secret meeting with the commander in chief of heaven on top of Mount Sinai. It was not a short briefing. This was a big conference that would last over a month. And Moses was there, and the rest of the troops were to stay down at the base camp, at the base of the mountain. It was the, at this conference that the commander-in-chief of heaven gave Moses his code of military justice. Speaking foreign to a lot of you, aren't I? The code of military justice is the laws to make things run smoothly in the military. And God gave to Moses his laws on two tablets of stone written by his own finger. These were the things that were to uplift all of God's people to make them this very special group, the special forces that he has chosen. And it was during this conference that the troops got restless down at the base camp. They kind of figured that since Moses was up so long on that mountain and there was so much uh, shaking going on in that mountain, just almost like artillery. When I was pastoring in Junction City, Kansas, we had the, the um, base that was there and Big Red was there and they, they would go out and practice shooting their big guns. And they would do it day and night. I would know two weeks before the media would know what was going on in the world because when they start practicing, you know something's happening someplace else and they're about to be deployed over into that area. And, and it would shake their house. You could feel it shake. You had cracks in your house. We complained one time when we first moved there. We, we were going looking at real estate and we said, look, there's a crack in the wall here. Real estate agent says you're going to find cracks in the walls in every place because of all the artillery. You can't help but have it there. And it would just be boom, 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 day or night. It's probably that way with the lightning and the thunder and the shaking of the mountains was probably shaking their tents down below and they probably figured, hey, Moses is not going to make it through all of that noise. He's been up there so long he's probably dead. And we need a leader. We need someone that we can, we can see a, a visible God. And so they wanted to establish a new chain of command. They needed a new commander-in-chief for heaven, and they needed someone to replace Moses as one of the joint chiefs of staff. Go to Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. 
Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. We need a new chain of command. So they, go, they went to, to Moses' brother Aaron with a request to have a visible God that they could see and they could touch and feel and who would become their commander-in-chief. They also desired Aaron, that he would be the one to replace his brother as part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And so Aaron makes a decision based on what all the others were telling him to fulfill the group's request. He gathers all the gold in the camp, the gold coins, the gold earrings, the Egyptian idols, and he melts them in a huge fire. And after all the gold has been melted, then he pours it, this valuable metal into a, a mold and he lets it cool. And then he removes the mold and he chisels away the rough edges, creating a visible idol. Verse 4, And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. See the chain and change in the chain of command? This is our God now. This is our commander-in-chief. When Aaron looks at that shining golden calf, he invites the troops to, to get together for an inaugural celebration of their new God. Look at verses 5 and 6. So when Aaron saw it, that golden calf, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. When they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. A big inaugural ball was taking place. This was happening. This was their new God. And they were showing to this new God their allegiance. Now back up at Sinai, this, this meeting that was taking place between God and Moses, God interrupts his conference and he tells Moses, he says there's a mutiny going on with the troops back at the base camp. Look at Exodus 32 and verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Nothing get past God. He is so in tune with everything that's going on in the world, and He's especially in tune with His troops. Now I want you to notice the very carefully chosen words that God says to Moses. God says and calls the people your people and not my people. And God gives the reason why. Look at Exodus 32, beginning with verse 8. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, 
This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. He's angry because of the mutiny. They decided they no longer wanted him as their God. They wanted something that they were used to seeing, something they had seen before back in Egypt. That's why they wanted a golden statue. And God says because of that, because of this mutiny, they are no longer my people. That's how quick it is, is just by a choice. It wasn't that God was leaving them. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to give to them His laws. But it was because they had given up on Him just by a simple choice. Brothers and sisters, watch out for the choices you make in life. It either brings you closer to God or farther away. And so it wasn't God's fault, but it was theirs. And when the troops started worshiping the golden calf, they turned their allegiance away from God towards that idol. They had chosen a new commander-in-chief to lead them instead of relying upon God's judgment to lead. They are no longer God's people, but it's Moses' people. Or maybe a better way of saying it, people who are following their own sinful, selfish desires and they wanted to deliver themselves into the promised land in their own way, at their own time. Not God's way, but their way. Moses storms down that mountain. I don't think he marched. I think he ran. He ran down that mountain with the Ten Commandments in his hand. His code of military justice to show his disapproval of the way things have been handled. And look what he does. Exodus 32, verses 19 and 20. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, turned it, in the fire and ground it to powder and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. I think he was upset. And he had right to be. See, it has always been God that was leading them. It has always been the true God of Israel that had heard their prayers. It was always God that had made the promise that I am going to lead you to that promised land. Just trust me. But they no longer trusted Him. They wanted to do it in their own way, in their own time. They wanted to have it their way. And Moses was angry. It was definitely mutiny that was taking place. Then Moses turns to his brother, who was supposed to keep the troops out of trouble while he went up on top of Mount Sinai. And look what he says. Verses 21 through 24. Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron says, 
Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. Don't get any madder than you are. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Wherever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it in the fire, and this calf came out. Kind of stupid, huh? Here you are standing in front of a superior officer in kind of a court-martial. We call it captain's mass in, in the Navy. And you always have a right to defend yourself when you stand before this superior officer. And Aaron is trying to defend his actions by saying to his brother, look, don't get mad at me. It's these evil people. They threw their gold at me and I threw it in the fire and this golden calf popped out of the fire. What do you expect for him to say in such a short period of time? He didn't want to look like the bad guy. It's got to be their fault. You know, that's been happening ever since sin started, you know, in the Garden of Eden when God said, you know, who t asked Adam, who told you you were naked? And he blamed his wife. And she blamed the serpent. It's always past the buck. Put the blame on someone else. That's what happens when you no longer have God as your commander-in-chief is you begin to pass the buck on someplace else to someone else. After revealing that they had broken the commander-in-chief's ten codes of military justice, Moses had to report back to his commander. He had to go back up to the top of Mount Sinai. Take a look at Exodus 33, beginning with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from, from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Notice the change. Changing in the words. I want you to put on your thinking caps for a moment. Before this time, the troops were being led by the commander-in-chief of heaven, being led every day, day and night. His mission was to lead them to the promised land. He hasn't given up on the mission. But who is it that the commander-in-chief says is going to lead them now? Who? He's going to, no, he's going to send an angel. going to send an angel to lead you. God's not going to lead them. 
The commander-in-chief is not going to take the trip with them. It's a break in the chain of command. If God goes with them, he will consume or destroy his own troops. I want you to notice the reply now, because this is key. The reply now that Moses gives to God, the commander-in-chief. Remember, God had called his people the peculiar people. Moses tells him this, Exodus 33, verses 15 and 16. And he, that's Moses, said to him, to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. You know what makes them peculiar? It's the presence of the living God guiding them. That's what makes us different. There are many religions in the world today because a lot of them worship a God that has left and they're trying to get His attention. A lot of them worship many gods trying to find at least one that will, will help them. The one thing that makes us different from the rest of the worlds is the presence of the living God that's leading and guiding our lives. Brothers and sisters, that's what we've got to have. If we've got a promised land, which is heaven, and we've got a world that's going to turn against God's people, according to the book of Revelation, the only way that we're going to make it, the only way that we're going to be known to the rest of the world is by the presence of the living God within our life. We have to have that chain of command. Or we cannot call ourselves God's peculiar chosen people. We're not His special forces without the presence of God. Why do you think that I asked individuals last week to come up here and to share their testimony except for the fact that they discovered, they discovered that they were heading in the wrong direction until they allowed the presence of the living God who wants to come into their life to come into their life. That's what made the change. That's what made things easier on them is when they allowed themselves to do it God's way instead of their own way. It's natural for you and I to go off on our own tangent to do things our own way and say, forget about everyone else. But that is breaking the chain of command that God has established. And the only thing that He can do with any of those that breaks that chain of command and no longer has His presence within their life is that he has to consume them by the fires that are meant for the devil and the evil angels. And it is by choice. By choice, those people that were at the base camp chose to go with a mutiny 
and, and have a different God. Their choice. And it's the same choice that you and I have today. What is your choice? Remember what Joshua said? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's the question I want to leave with you because you have to make that choice. That choice is going to determine whether the presence of God is with you to lead you to the promised land or whether he's not and you're to be consumed by his anger. We need to make that choice and it will be an eternal choice. Let's turn in our hymnals, if you would, to our hymn of praise. Hymn number 289, The Savior's Waiting for Your Answer, Who You Will Serve This Day. Shall we stand as we sing together? The Savior is waiting.
Father in heaven, our Commander-in-Chief. It's time for us to turn away from our selfishness, from the material things that we look to and rely so much upon, to be able to march to your tune to the heavenly kingdom, the promised land. It's time for you to come in and to be our God again as we come to serve you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.